Okay, good morning. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Yud Aleph in Maseches Kiddushin. And we will start at the top of Yud Aleph, Amar Aleph, the top line. And if you could see us now. Bezat Hashem, he's hoping to return tomorrow. Okay, uh, let, me, let me recap where we are. Orient ourselves. So, Rav Yochanan ben Bagbag said to Rav ben Becerra, I was a little bit, I don't know, proud of myself because... I had intuited, I, I couldn't tell whether it was a Mishnah, I, I couldn't tell what the source of this information was. And then I think I heard somebody say, I think it was Rabbi Shalom Rosner Shlita, that it was a Sifrei, whatever that means. I mean, what? a Sifrei? Okay, that was, that, that was the source of the information. What was the information? Information is, Rabbi Yochanan bin Bagbag is saying to Rabbi Yochanan I heard you, Rabbi Yochanan bin said that an Arusa Bas Yisrael Ocheles Bitruma. Okay, just to remind you what this means. This means that when a woman has kiddushin, uh, a bas Yisrael is not entitled to eat truma, but she is. Uh, she somehow managed. Uh, Karen Traub um, suggested her to a kohen, and now she's going to marry a kohen. Ooh, once she's married to a kohen, she's going to be eating truma with impunity. Question is, at what stage? At kiddushin or at nisuin? Right, kiddushin is when she's set aside to him for marriage. As we've said, we're not going to say betrothed, but betrothed, and that's the first stage. And she's really ishta lechol davar, except for all the aforementioned things we mentioned yesterday. Um, you know, she, uh, the husband's not going to be, be made for her in Adarim yet, and he's not going to be matamit to her yet, etc. Um, so, the question is, can she eat truma yet? Now, we know that the halacha really at the end of the day, Midar Abanan, is that she cannot eat truma for one of two possible reasons. Ula had the reason of the truma sandwich, right? Ula's reason was the Ba'as Yisrael, so long as she's not yet in the stage of Nisuin, it means she's not living with her Kohen husband yet. So she's living at home, right? Waiting for the Chuppah day, even though she's already been set aside. Well, guess what? If she could eat truma, she's leaving the, san- the truma sandwich around in the kitchen, she goes off, right, uh, to the mall with her friends. Next thing you know, her brother, who's a Yisrael, sits and sees a delicious sandwich. He's going to eat that sandwich. You can bet your life on it. So that's a, ter- that's a real problem. And for that reason, Chazal made a takana, the, that, that she cannot eat it until Nisuin. So, which is to say, Iker hadin, right? The, the ability to eat truma or not eat truma is, is prescribed me the Arisa. That's min HaTorah, right? The Torah tells us that Kohanim can eat truma and that the Israel and that nobody else can. So the question is, what was the Torah's view on what the status of the Mikudeshis is? So we, are, we were bringing proofs that certainly Meikaradin, the Torah would have said that the Mikudeshis certainly can eat truma. But me there, Abanan, we're concerned about one of two things. So again, Ula says, your brother's going to eat your sandwich if you're sitting at home and you're eating truma. That's a terrible idea. The other idea was symphone. Symphone is that you're going to, uh, that we don't know, sometimes betrothal gets broken off, right? Sometimes marriage and in divorce, that's true. Betrothal to be broken off, he requires to get also. But the fact of the matter is, until Nisuin, this chassan isn't living with this woman, right? The chassan is not living with her. And maybe when he starts to live with her, he'll find some defect in her. And he'll undo 
he'll undo the Kiddushin. He'll say that it was a Mekach Tos. See, that's the issue. If you were going to say, you know what? I don't know if this marriage is going to go. You know, these days, marriage is disposable. Maybe in four months, they're going to get divorced. That wouldn't be a problem, right? Because she can eat truma for four months and then get divorced. And, and then that whole story is over, right? If she, uh, you, might, you might recall, you know, that it matters whether she has offspring, right? Remember that? Uh, remember that? That's so you, how the marriage ends, etc. Anyways, the point is, if, she, if, if after four months she gets divorced, she just goes back home and she's not going to eat truma anymore. And that's not a problem because so long as she was married, she certainly could eat truma. The issue is if you find symphone, right, if you think that there's a defect, then you're going to want to undo the condition of mafreya. You're going to say that even those times that we were betrothed, right, that, that was mitos, that was erroneous. Okay, so then during all that time that she was eating the, the truma, she was not entitled to it if you're going to undermine it retroactively. So therefore, uh, that is the problem. Okay. So again, Rabbi Yochanan Bagbag says, I heard that you said Arusa Batsura and Rabbi Hudman Basera was like, yeah, of course I said that. Everybody knows that. And then he gave rationales. So he brought a rationale from a Shifcha. So he brought a couple of rationales. The rationale that we left off was the Kalva Chomer for why Mi'ikir Hadin, the Torah certainly would have said that the woman essentially should be entitled to eat the truma after Kiddushin, right? So he says the rationale was from Shifcha Kinanis. Uh, the first idea was Ula, and then when he came to the Simphone, there was a Kalva Chomer. What was the Kalva Chomer? As follows. The Kalva Chomer was, we don't worry about Simphone by Shifcha Kinanis. What does that mean? As follows. Shifcha Kinanis, again, she's a star worshiper. Right, she's a cleaning lady, right? But she's really a slave, is what she is. Now, when you have a slave, you purchase them. That's why yesterday was politically incorrect, and they really considered a unique form of, of property, right? Um, as the Constitution initially, I think, worded it. So these human beings are a form of property, and as such, if you're a kohen, then you're you know your animals and your slaves and all your property. Uh, gets to benefit from truma because that's all you, right? That's all part of your estate. And therefore, your estate is eating truma. Okay. That's by Shifcha Kananis. Now, Shifcha Kananis, you're not going to have an issue of Simphone, right? You could have said the same thing. What if you, what if you right, purchase a slave on the market? Let's get as un-PC as possible. I apologize. Uh, just for the sake of clarity. And then you bring the slave to your uh, to home. You find out it's defect. The slave is defective in some way. So now you're going to regret the purchase. You're going to bring it back to the slave store. Well, what happened to all the truma that that slave ate for the first, you know, during the working interview, if you will, right, for the whole first week until you realized there was a defect, right? We we don't have the concern by a slave. So that was the kavachomer, right, that Rebbe Yudam proposed. He says, of course. A mekudeshes could eat truma because, after all, a slave you don't worry about symphone. That despite the fact that you may not like the slave, you're going to re- you're going to allow it to eat uh, truma. So why should you? Why should a mekudeshes? Uh, why should they have this unique idea that they're worried about a symphone? So that was Yehuda ben Sarah's issue to Ben Bagbag. To which Ben Bagbag responds at the top of Yudalf Amidalaf finally, and he says. Ben Bagbag is saying that 
there is no Simfon Ba'avadim, right? The Kalvachomer, again, of Yehud Basira is based off the fact that there is no Simfon in the case of Avadim, and therefore there should be no issue of Simfon in the case of, right, Yishim Mekudashas. And it is that Kalvachomer that makes him, makes it obvious to Yehud Basira that Yishim Mekudashas should already be allowed to eat Truma. But what Bidbagbag is saying is that there's a difference between an Isha Mikudeshes and an Eved. After all, why? Because it says the Gemara, as it continues, a Simpon Shiva Eved should never happen. Because after all, all you're trying to do is get some work out of this slave. So, so you're at the slave store and you see, right, them, uh, and, you're, and you're checking out and you're trying to get a good slave. If they have an actual external defect, you're going to notice it. And so, therefore, you're going to buy it with eyes wide open. If the slave has some sort of defect that you can't see, so what do you care? Right? You're not buying them for whatever, you know, how beautiful they are, you know, with their shirt off or whatever. You're buying them for malacha, right? You're buying them to do the work. You don't really care what they look like. You just care how well they work, right? And therefore, right? that shouldn't matter. Says the Gemara. So again, if it's external, you'll see it. If it's internal, you don't care. So therefore, the idea of Simphone is not a concern for Avadim the way it is for an Isha, right? For uh, an Isha is a totally different thing. You, you are, you're Mikadish her, you set her aside, and then when you bring her home, if you find something that, you know, you find repulsive, that could be a real issue of Simphone. So that's much more likely to be undone, and therefore you cannot do a Kavachomer from a Shifcha Kananis to a Evan. To, to a Isha uh, Mekudeshes. Not only that, but it says the Gemara, Nimsa Ganav o Kubiustus. A Ganav, if let's say the, the slave was found to have a broken moral compass, Barry, right? He's a thief. A Kubiustus, Rashi says, is a kidnapper. Tosfa says, I don't think so. Brings Raya's that a Kubiustus is like what it sounds like, a person who is Mesachic Bakuvia, a gambler. Either way, the person, your slave's a degenerate. Still says the Gemara, Higio, this would, this would not be a problem. Higio means he still belongs to the buyer. He still make, he still makes it home. My Amrit, because why are you going to say, listen, Mizuyin or Nichtav Lamalchus, that, that if, a, if he was a, listen, Mizuyin, right, from, famously from, uh, Bamatsia, um, if you have an armed robber, right, or a Nichtav Lamalchus, somebody who's in death row, Hanru Kale Islu, Right? So in other words, he might be degenerate, but if he's like a world-famous mob boss or like on death row, you would know that. Like the record would somehow show that. The Carfax, if you will, on the, on the slave is going to show that. So that you should know. Hanukkah islahu, as the Gemara says, right? That you're for sure going to know. So in other words, there is no scenario where Simpon would apply to a Eved or Shifcha Kananis. And therefore, since there is no scenario where, where Simpon would apply... You, you're not, you don't have a Kavachomer. The fact that there's no Simphon but never a Shifcha Kananis is because of the context, right? This context is not at all relevant to, right, to a Isha Mekudeshes, so that's the issue, okay? So now, we have two possible, right, um, two possible Svaras for why Rabbi Hudum and Beseyer thought it was so obvious that an Isha Mekudeshes should be able to eat Truma. One was, Simphon, which we just discussed, that was Ravina's suggestion. And the other one was um, the idea of Ula, of the brother eating the Truma. Um, so the Gemara just asked, Mechdi, Ben Lamar, Ben Lamar, what would be, right, the 
Nafkamina, according to right Ben Bagbag, regardless, according to Ben Bagbag or according to Rabbi Huda, right? Lo achla mai beinayu, right? What is the idea? What is the reason for the takanas chazal that you can't eat it? Again, at the end of the day, both Ben Bagbag and Rabbi Huda are going to agree. Let's say that. Mida or Raisa, the Isha Mekudesha should be allowed to eat Truma. And they both agree that Mida or Banan, we do not allow it. And then the only question is, why do we not allow Mida or Banan? Do we not allow it because we think she's going to share a sandwich? Or do we not allow it because we think we're going to find a defect in her and we're going to undo it? So what will be the difference? Ikebanayu, Kibel, Masav, Halach. Yeah. There's a bunch of different cases. Kibel, right, where before the Kedushin, Kibel means that he accepted her unconditionally. Well, if he accepted her under, unconditionally, so then there is going to be no issue of symphon, but so long as she's Mekudesha, she still might share her sandwich, right? That's Kibel. Masar is where the father delivered, right, the daughter already to the, to the agents of the husband. She's not going to be home, right? So therefore she's not going to be around to share her sandwich. However, she might, uh, after all, be found defective. Or where the father's, Halach is where the father's shluchim continue to walk with the shluchim of the husband after delivering uh, the girl to them, and if the father shluchim is still walking uh, with the husband, maybe he, she's going to share it with those shluchim. Is that the issue? Um, or yeah, because I think then maybe that that she's not hasn't been passed off yet, um, and it's not unconditional. Yeah, so maybe he's going to find a defect still. Yeah, he might still find a defect there. Okay. So now, ten lines down, two dots. Okay, let's go back to Kesef Shtarabia. And there was a machlokas between Beit Shammah and Beit Shil about what the amount of money, what amount of money is necessary f- to um, be Mekadosh Bekesef. You remember that from the first Mishnah in, in uh, Kedushan? What was the machlokas? Beit Shammah says, Dinar v'shava dinar. Beit Shil says, Pruta v'shava pruta. Dinar is about eight times more valuable than a pruta. Uh, moreover, the dinar is like the biblical pruta, so, uh, which is to say, the dinar is like, if we say five slime is the amount of money that you need for a pinyon aben, that's like five biblical slime. As opposed to a pruta is like, it would say, it would be like as if you converted and you said, oh, we'll do five dollars. Like, you'll use the, the current, right, Babylonian currency, whatever it is, it's much less valuable. So the Gemara asks, my time I have a why does a think it has to be dinar? So we're going to have a few opinions here. The first opinion is Rivzera. That the women, the Jewish women, value themselves very highly. Less than a dinar is not respectful. And therefore, she's not going to accept it. Okay. So You know, we have some very low-maintenance girls in Klal Israel. If you're saying it's subjective, Rivzera, right? If you're saying that what, what matters is what you'll agree to, well, the daughters of Beit Yanai were the opposite of low maintenance. They were known to be the highest maintenance. The Kaptan and Afshayu, they were high maintenance. They would never think of becoming uh, betrothed for less than three kav of gold dinarim. So they were, they had high expectations, high needs, Barry. They for sure would uh, not uh, except Kedusha for less than that. So what are you going to say? That it's subjective and in that case, if you give them two and a half baskets uh, uh, of gold dinars that they're not engaged? So then maybe that's what the Mishnah should say, right? 
right? So, it's, would you also say that if she accepted a single dina for someone else, hachinami do love kedushin, that the kedushin wouldn't be valid? In other words, the fact that the, does the presence of some high maintenance girls in Klal Yisrael and low maintenance girls in Klal Yisrael and the subjectivity affect this objective amount? So that doesn't make any sense, right? The mission is saying an objective amount, a dinar. And then we're, and Rabzeir is saying that it has to do with what the mindset of the Kala is. Well, but, uh, Abaya is pointing out every Kala has a different mindset. So how can you just set it at one objective amount? So Amalei, Rabzeir answers, no, listen. I'm not talking about a case where she accepts the Kiddushin. Once a woman accepts, uh, the Roshonim understand this to mean that even if it was less than a dinar, even if it was a pruta, if once she accepts it, then even Bechamai would agree. Right, so he's sticking to his guns, Rabzera. He's saying that it really is subjective. That in a case where a woman is a, a, a cognizant of the amount, then whatever amount she is going willing to be mukdashes with, that's going to work. That's the only thing that matters. However, in a case where either she was mukdashes at night or in the dark, or she was mukdashes sight unseen with the shaliach, so in that scenario. She's not being precise about how much money she's willing to accept. She's just willing to go through with it when what we would call in insurance parlance usual and customary benefits, right? Like she's willing to just accept the norm. Well, once you're accepting the norm, what is the norm? That's the machlokas. In a case where it's either Lila or it's dark, we're not going to get to the achronish asugias to whether you can get, uh, whether you can marry at night. Uh, we see a lot of night weddings, do we not? Um, but sometimes they try to get in before Shkia, but I don't think for this consideration. Okay, why wouldn't you be able to get married at night? Well, we know that uh, they say that you, you can't get, uh, you can't have a get at night because you can't see the star. Okay, I'm not going to get into this. But the point is, there are procedures that we don't, that we don't do at night. So if we were doing a little bit of, uh, of Iyun, we could talk about all the things that you can and cannot do at night. But in this case, night is not necessarily the point. The point is, it's dark. You can't see what it is. Or it's a shaliach and you're not even there. So, the point is, what would be the objective amount of, right, what would be the objective amount uh, if she just said, give me the usual standard kiddushin? And so, to that, Bechama would say, dinar is appropriate for the B'nos Yisrael, albeit B'nos Yisrael coming in different forms of, uh, of maintenance requirements, that would be the standard. So, that's the reasoning of Rav Zerah. Rabbi Yosef says another idea. Rabbi Yosef Amar Taimai Rabbi Chama Kid Rabbi Yehuda Amar Rasi. He's following the Pshat of Rabbi Rasi, who says the following: Dama Rabbi Yehuda Amar Rasi called Kesef Amar Bator Kesef Suri. Veshal Divrei Kesef Medina. He's saying whenever the Torah says the word Kesef, it's referring to Kesef Suri. Kesef Suri is that old Tyrian biblical currency, which is eight times more valuable than Kesef Medina. Whenever you say the Rabbanon Kesef, they mean Kesef Medina, right? When the Rabbanon made their gazeras, they were above already. Rabbanon Litzlan. It's a different denomination. They're talking in dollars. Kesef Medina, you know what I mean? But Kesef Suri is biblical money. So you have to look in the Torah, see where it says Kesef. Well, guess what? It should say Kesef. It doesn't really say Kesef. We just, you know, we've been at this for about a week and a half, and we searched for the source of Kesef in the context of Kiddushin. And we found what, Barry? Uh-huh. So that establishes a Kesef connection, and therefore it should be Kesef Tzuri. And that's Beit Shammai's point. Okay, so let's see. 
Let's first analyze the statement of Yehuda. Is it really true that every time it says Kesef in the Torah, it's referring to biblical Kesef, Tyrian currency? Uh, let's see. This really deserves a, um, a question mark. Is that really the den? Okay. Uh, as we turn to your Dalton base. The Hare Taina Dhsiv. What's Taina? Moida Bimiktas. First Rashi Nidal from Bez. Shadam Tainas Khavero Mashbinoso. Imhoda Bimiktas. Dhsiv Kiitain Ish. Kiitain Ish, he's hiding the ball. Kiitain Ishal Reu Kesef Okalim Lishmar. What's the case? A person is giving his friend. This is the case of Shomer. Oh, can't wait to discuss Shomer. We're almost on Nazikan Barry. Okay. So Person's giving his friend something to watch. The Pasuk says, Kesef O'Kalim Lishmar. And then the guy did an awful job, a god-awful job of watching it. He comes back and says, oh, I'm back for my stuff. He says, it's gone. <laughs> okay. So now, did you take it gone? Or like, so what happened? Did, did the wind blow? Did, did somebody steal it? He says, I don't know. It's gone, but I didn't take it. It's just gone. So you say, okay, you know what? I'm going to make you swear that you didn't steal it. So you have a modem mixus. We're going to get deep into it in Babakama. What does a modem mixus do? He has to swear. Okay. So what does this have to do with, what does it have to do with Kesef? Because the Pasuk says, Kikach Kesef. Okay. And we know that there's a case of modem mixus where you are making a partial claim. So let's read it in the Gemara. What is your claim? The chsiv as follows. So the Gemara is going to tell you the Pasuk, right? A person is leaving with his friend, either money or kalim to watch. It's none. And the Mishnah in Shavuos, nevertheless, says, What is this? That when the Dayanim impose on the defendant, right, the Shomer, a claim, it has to be for no less than two silver ma'a, right, which is which is shte kesef, kesef in this case means two silver ma, which is a ma is less than a dinar. And when you're talking about hoda, admission, it has to be no less than the value of a pruta. So for example, a ma'id mixes would say something to the effect of, I am, right, I am uh, responsible for only a part of it. <laughs> but if you're responsible for less than what we would consider kesef, so then, in essence, you haven't, uh, agreed, or you haven't conceded the threshold of what we would call kesef, and you wouldn't be called a modem mixus. You'd be called a kofar akol, and we wouldn't make you swear. Point is, Barry, if you deny it entirely, this is a fascinating idea. I think this is kind of this is kind of abstract. If you're denying an idea, if you're denying any culpability entirely, you're not chayiv shvur. That's a different thing. If you admit partially, then you have to swear for the rest of it. That's just the Torah. We're going to get deep into that. So the question is, if you concede a penny, is that denying entirely or is that partial admission? So the answer is it's considered denying entirely because there is a certain threshold whereby if you don't admit to it, you've essentially denied the whole thing. That's the point. He says, yeah, I'll give you everything back minus a penny. That's like denying it. I mean, I won't give you anything. I'll, I'll give you a penny back. Right? So then that's essentially a complete denial. That's the point. Now, again, the Mishnah requires a claim of two ma, not just one. Okay, so it sounds like 
Kesef maybe doesn't mean uh, silver. We'll see from the answer exactly how, how we work this out. Says the Gemara. Hasam dumi dechelim. So in the Mishnah there, why is it requiring two ma? Right? Why two ma? A claim, right, of no less than two ma. Okay? Uh, there the kesef must be interpreted differently. Why? Because ma because there has to be similar to the kalim. Ma kalim shnaim. Just like when you say kalim, you're saying it in the plural in the Pasuk. Af kesef shnaim. So even when you say kesef, it's referring to at least two coins. Okay? So, even though kesef might be silver, it's understandable that the Mishnah is requiring two coins because, after all, it is built into the Pasuk. So you can't learn anything from this Pasuk that kesef there, right? You can't say that kesef means, right, one dinar because it's not true for any time it says kesef. Here it says kesef o kalim and we learn something reciprocal from that. Kalim means double. So kesef is going to mean two ma, two silver coins. And in the opposite direction, the converse direction, we have an, a thing that you learned in Kalim. The Gemara continues. Kesef, af Kalim, That we also learn something about the nature of Kalim here. That the Kalim have to be a Davar Chashev just like the Kesef. So in other words, it has to be an item of significance. If you're talking about an item that is insignificant, right, the, the defendant is not going to need to swear until the items have some sort of value, at least two Ma'ab. So this gemar, this this pasuk is very unique, right? It's 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 actually a machlokas and shavuos about whether this limud is true. But whether the limud, whether you agree with the limud or not, one thing I think everybody would agree with is that this pasuk of kitein ish over eu kesef o kalim, you learn something about the nature of kesef from kalim. You learn something about the nature of kalim from kesef, and therefore this is a standalone unique pasuk that does not right uh, indicate what kesef would mean normally in, in a regular case. So this is an outlier, and we're still uh, agreeing with ourselves and saying that kesef in general is going to mean the, the dinarim, the, tir, the Tyrian kesef, okay. So let's leave Taina aside, the modem and mixes. Hadron Allah, right? We're looking forward to going back to that in Bava Mukama. okay. Have a meiser, very meiser. So we know that there's a halacha of meiser that appears in the Torah. What does it say in, in Torah? Right? In the Sugya of Meiser, in the Torah, there's the idea of pidyon, right? You got too much stuff, Barry. You can't schlep it. So you're going to what? You're going to bind it in the kesef in your hand. You're going to redeem it onto money, bring it to your shalim, and then buy the stuff in your shalim, as we've discussed many times. It's none. And yet in the Mishnah in Meiser Shani, it says, a parat selamim os Meiser Shani. You can exchange a silver sella Poret, and you can exchange it, the copper pruta coins. Wait, you can redeem Maishashani using copper prutas? Copper prutas? It says kesef in the Torah. Doesn't kesef mean silver coins? Right? So before we said, right, the, the Tyrian silver dollar, as it were, silver mana. So in the case of well, it makes us, it said, we, we said that it has to be two silver coins. And we said that's because it said Kalim also. Here it sounds like it's less than a silver coin. It's, it's Prutos. You're using these copper Prutos. How so? So the Gemara says, no, that's different because the Pasuk doesn't say Vitsarta Kesef Biyadcha. It says Vitsarta Ha Kesef Biyadcha. That extra hay 
is including any kind of denomination. Says the Gemara, Kesef, Ha, Kesef, Reba. Right? The fact that it says Ha, Kesef in, in, uh, includes even other denominations like copper coins, and all of those are proper denominations and coins for uh, Pidyon. Fine. Okay, so we have our first Kesef or Kalim by Modem Mixus is our first outlier. Our second outlier is the Pidyon of Ha, Kesef, and now Hektish. Says the Gemara, by Hektish. Okay. When it comes to redeeming Hektish, what does the Pasuk say? Well, you have Hakesef again. This isn't going to go well. Well, Nasan Hakesefakamla means you give the Kesef and you could be put as something. But Amr Shmuel, Shmuel said regarding this Hektish, that you could actually take, this is actually something that is very surprising, if, that you can actually take and uh, redeem. How does redemption work? You have something that's that's supposed to be for hektesh, and then you um, you buy it off basically, and you make it chulin. Says the gemara mechulal. Right, the mish, the right, the Shmuel said that that is mechulal. Was Rashi the first wide line down there? The ain ona lehektesh. Right, Rashi's explaining. That even though usually you have to always have equal value, welcome back, Yoni. Even though you usually have to have equal value here, and if you don't take equal value, like if you and I were having a financial transaction, Barry, you're not allowed to rip me off. Not everybody knows that. The, the sixth is the, right, is the threshold. So I'm not allowed to rip you off. You're not allowed to rip me off. I'm not supposed to get a deal where I'm getting like 25% off, uh, or 75% off. And you're not supposed to rip me off and up right and gouge me here. That's true in any financial uh, in any financial context, except for hektish. When it comes to hektish, right, it says that you can actually be um, memait the bitul mekach or the ona. None of that matters. It's just about sort of like I would say this is not exactly true, but to illustrate it, it's like the ceremony of it, right? It's it's you're doing it as a uh, gesture. But it's really not a real pigeon. It's not an actual financial, right, one-to-one, right, uh, kind, of, kind of exchange. And therefore, for that reason, right, that you learn from Venusan HaKesef. And for that reason, the Kesef does not have to be exact worth. And therefore, that, first of all, we find surprising, after all. The Pasuk said HaKesef. So shouldn't it be only in the real silver coins? Says the Gemara, no. Hasanami, Kesef, Kesef, Yalif, Mimaiser. There it says that you learn it from Meiser. Why? What do you mean, Kesef, Kesef? So I would have said, Barry, HaKesef. Just like we said, Venasan Bitsarta HaKesef Biyadcha with regards to Meiser, I would have said, Venasan HaKesef Fakamlo. The HaKesef teaches you. For some reason, right, the Gemara says that no, that we compare Meiser to, uh, to Hekdesh. Now, wait a minute. If the Xera Shava, if the Hekesh, I should say, is Kesef, Kesef, then doesn't that destroy the entire point of what we're trying to say? What we were trying to say was that every time it says Kesef, it means the old silver currency. How are you making a Xera Shava of Kesef, Kesef, and saying that any time you say Kesef, it's like Meiser, that it doesn't have to be the silver currency? So that's what Rashi's addressing. Rashi says, Kesef, Kesef, the third wide line. Gamar Pidjon Hekesh from Pidjon Meiser. Yeah, because both of them... Uh, both in Hekdesh and Meiser, it's a form of redemption. That's what you're using it for. It's not a real one-to-one exchange. It's redemption. Avalshar, Kesef, continues Rashi, Shabbatara, Loyalif Mnei. Right? That's not, 
Right, just because you're saying Kasev Kasev by these two, these two are unique. This is Pidyon. Pidyon is not purchase. Pidyon is redemption. Redemption is just like almost ceremonial, right? The low Damu. Everything else is not similar. Yeah. And also it says here, Ksafim Yasera. It says Kasev too many times. And therefore, the case of Meiser and the case of redemption of, um, of Hektesh are unique. And it is for that reason that you could do those with the Pruta, but everything else you have to do with the silver dollar. Fine. So now let's finally get to our issue, right? Ravasi again is saying that Kesef is always going to refer to the Tyrian currency. Bari Kedusha Isha. What does it say about Kedusha Isha? It says, Kiikach Ish Isha Vala. See, I told you that's where we get it. Kiikach Isha Vigmar Kicha Kicha Mistay Ephron, right? The word Kesef appears by Stay Ephron. And it says the word Kicha appears by Stay Ephron. And the word Kicha appears by Kiddushin, bada bing, bada boom. Kiddushin must therefore probably be done with silver dollars, and yet not necessarily so. Right? It's none, because we learned in the Mishnah, Basil Omrim. You might recall this Mishnah, because this was our Mishnah, the first Mishnah in Kiddushin. Basil says, Bifruta, Ubefra, Unbelievable. How does Basil say that you are Mikadesh with the Pruta when we learn Kikaikach from Stay Ephron, where the word Kesef appears? How has he allowed that Babylonian pruta that's worth an eighth of the Tyrian silver dollar? So name a Ravasi Are you going to say this whole idea of Ravasi who suggests that anytime it says Kesef in the Torah, it means an actual uh, OG silver Tyrian? Are you going to say that he only, that, that he only agrees with Bechamai and not with Basilo? That seems unlikely. We're going to want to have a Svara that applies to both Bechamai and Basilo. So the Gemara says, no, Ravasi is not necessarily trying to only rule like Beit Shammai, rather, Ravasi would have been aware of the Machlokas Beit Hill Beit Shammai. He would have wanted to side with Beit Hillel, because everybody wants to, you know, side with the winner, as it were, right? With the person who we follow halachically. So it must be that this is what Ravasi meant. Amar Behud Amar Ravasi, Kol Kesef Katsuv. Yeah. If the Torah uh, specifies a specific amount, that's Kotsuv, then it's Kesef Tzuri. Everything else is Shaldivrayim Kesef Medina. Everything else is going to be when you have just an amount that the, Chazal, that the Chazal will make you pay. Well, that's going to be Kesef Medina. Oh, so now we're getting into it. In other words, when the Torah, so for example, in Kiddushin, the Torah says, Kesef, Kesef, Mistei Ephon. Fine, Kicha, Kicha. But it never said the amount that you have to pay for Kiddushin. We're making a Gezer Shava, but we're not saying what the amount has to be. It's Chazal is going to say, they're going to decide what the amount is. So once the Chazal are going to decide what the amount is, then it could be really any amount. We're not, and it doesn't have to be Kesef Tzuri. As opposed to when the Torah says an amount. When does the Torah say an amount? In the following case, it's Kamash Malan. Oh, wait a minute. What is he talking about? My Kamash Malan. The issue here is, wait a minute, is Ravasi really teaching us anything? We already know this. Really? From where? Well, Tanina. We have a Mishnah in Bechorus. It says the following. Chamesh Slaim Shel Ben. Right? So famously when we talk about Pidyon Aben, the Torah says Chamesh Slaim. So that is the clearly straight up in the Pasuk. And therefore, you have to, right, um, that you have to give, obviously, in that case, the, the silver, the Torah silver, okay? Shloshim shall right? If an owner, of a, if, a, if you have somebody whose ox, right, gores 
an Evakinani. The Torah says 30 slime. That's going to have to be paid in the old biblical kesef. Chamishim shel ones v'shel mefate. Right, the Torah says 50 slime. If there's Rahman al-Itzlan, a rapist or, or a seducer. So therefore, right, in the case of the, uh, of the Nara. So there, of course, it's going to have to be in the silver Tyrian dollar, the old biblical one. Me'ashel Motsi Shemra. Or in the case of the Motsi Shemra, right, we learned in the beginning of Ksubus, right, that you have to, or, or we are in Daf Mem Dalad and Ksubus, that you have to pay a hundred slime. All of these are mentioned in the Torah, and the amounts are mentioned in the Torah, and therefore, says the Mishnah in Bechoros, Kulam Beshekel HaKodesh Bemonet Suri. All of these have to pay in the old temple Shekel, in the silver biblical Tyrian money. So that we already learned in the Mishnah Bechoros. The question is, what's Ravasi adding? He's saying anytime it says it explicitly, you have to pay with the OG denomination. That we already know that. It says the Gemara, Vishal Divrayim, Kesef Medina, Yisri Chalei. Do we have to say that we, so, so no, that, that's actually the answer. The answer is that it's true that when the Torah says, okay, like this, when the Torah, the, when the Torah explicitly says an amount, it's true that you have to use the old silver dollars. But, we still need Ravasi's statement. Ravasi's statement is to teach you explicitly that when the Torah doesn't say it, and then when the Darabonans set the amount, they actually don't need the silver dollar. The lot's not. Why? Because the Mishnah was not explicit about that. You could infer it from the Mishnah, but the Mishnah doesn't say it explicitly. Okay? The Tanya. As a matter of fact, this idea could actually be a little bit ambiguous, and therefore, look at Bavakama. And you, you'll see the following thing in Daf Tzali. Person, oh, Daf Yomi coincidence. The person blows shofar in his buddy's ear and scares the living daylights out of him. There's a boshes that goes on, right? It's a, it's a horrible experience. You have to pay for that. Okay. Right? So Ravasi is teaching the following, right? It says, no sin lo sela. Right? But this is a Durbanan, right? That's not a case that you find in the Torah itself. Okay? That's the case that Chazal laid out. And so you might have thought, okay, you have to give him a cellar. Maybe you have to go get my silver slime. No, you don't have to give him that. Ravasi is teaching you that in that case, you give Arba Zuzi. You have, I'm sorry. Arba Zuzi. You don't have to give the Arba Zuz cellar, which is what the um, biblical cellar would have, met, would have cost. Elamai cellar, palga de Zuza. Right? A half a Zuz. As we've said, the... This ratio is one to eight, right? The biblical cella is like eight times more valuable than the, the Tyrian cella is like eight old time cella is eight times more valuable than the Babylonian one. So when it says cella in the Mishnah, what is it referring to? So you're not going to say the Arbazuz one. The one that's an eighth of that, you're going to say. The Avide Inche, the Karla Palgazuza, Istera. Because people are accustomed to calling that half Azuz an Istera, and it's that. Istera, which is what you have to pay. That is, right, uh, right that is a half uh, a dinar, and it is enough because it's biblical, and Ravasi's um, principle is what teaches you that. that. When you're talking about this manazah, you don't have to, if Chazal were the ones that set the amount, then when they say selah, they mean the new selah, not the old selah. Okay. Right? I remember, actually, when I was growing up in Israel, we still had the lira. Yeah, I remember. Remember the lira, Barry? Sure. That, that was a great denomination. 
And then I think it ended up being worth like, and then they made the new shekel, the NIS, what we still call the new Israeli shekel. And I think we said, how much is this worth? And they said, uh, you know, 100,000 liras. We're like, wow, this is some currency. This is amazing. How many of these in a dollar? <laughs> okay. Okay, so now another suggestion for why we require uh, dinar. Rav Shimon ben Lakish Omer, Taimai de Shamai, Kidah Chizkia. What did Chizkia say? The Amma Chizkia Makra, Vehefda, Malamed Shemigaras, Mipidjona Viyotza. Right? What's this pidjon? As follows Migaras, Mipidjona Viyotza is the following. You have an Amma Ivria, this is not an Evakananis, uh, because she's not owned, it's not a Kenyan Aguf. You have a Jewish maidservant. The Jewish maidservant can redeem herself. How is she going to redeem herself? She's going to take her total value. She's going to prorate it by the number of years she already worked and reduce that from her value. So let's say she had, or she or he, right, a man or a woman, they owe a guy $100,000 and they're going to work for him for 10 years. Usually it's not 10 years, right, because it's never less than six. Okay, they're going to work for five years. So $20,000 a year. And they already worked four years, right? So they already put in $80,000 worth of work. So now what do you do? You only have to pay $20,000, which is the remainder, and boom, that's how you redeem yourself. Fine. That's what Chizkiah says. That's what the Pasuk teaches you the Hefdash. You prorate how much work you already put in, take off that amount, and you go out. So do you have to, what kind of money do you have to give? So yeah, it's be do you have Chizkiah is understandable if you say he originally gave her a dinar for the purchase. So that would make sense up until there's only a pruta left. She would have to pay the remaining amount and go free. But if you say, let's say he only gave her a pruta to purchase her. This is an unusual case. right? He's saying, what is the minimum purchase price of a ama ivria? It has to be a dinar. Why? Because... If it's a pruta, that's the lowest possible denomination and it can't be split up into every, anything. So the very halacha of chizkiah that says that you prorate it and pay back the money must mean that the original purchase price must be divisible. That's what it means, okay? Wait, are you sure? Maybe that's not true. Maybe it's just a question of pragmatics, right? That if you bought yourself with a dinar, so then it's divisible. So you're going to do this whole proration, Mahalach, when you buy yourself back. But if you only bought yourself with a pruta, so then there's nothing to prorate, so then you maybe you don't need to be putting yourself at all like that. You worked a little bit, and then you just go home. So as we arrive at Yudbeza Medal, the Gemara says, Lo sa'kadaycha dumya di yud. Ma yud afagav di yibay miyayad, bibay lo miyayad. Right, so this is the, uh, the idea of like this. Do you know what yud is? Yud is like this, that... The master of an Amma Ivri has the right to be Makadashar during her service. So we said that that is what Yud. Yud is not like Kiddushin. Yud is when the guy, it's a different, uh, it's a different procedure. He doesn't give her any money, right? He just, you know, we're going to discuss it soon, next week, the exact parameters of Yud. But be that as it may, uh, he can do Yud, but he doesn't have to be Makadashar. Uh, through Yud. So what does that mean? It says, So you know what? Yesterday I ran a little over. Today I'll stop on time and we'll discuss this Yud issue as we uh, resume with the top of Yud Bez, Amud Aleph, Bezrat Hashem, tomorrow and shock Andrew upon his return to see that we've arrived at our destination.